Welcome to Build with Rob. I am Rob Deerdick, founder and CEO of the Deerdick Machine, a one-of-a-kind venture creation studio where we systematically fuse art, science, and magic to manufacture amazing companies. And amazing companies come in all shapes, sizes, and forms, but they always have a do-or-die or leader. They always make sure that the seven core capabilities of business are managed and optimized to the ultimate level to create sustainability, profitability, and ultimately just good old-fashioned success. Because business is really fun when it works. This show is all about talking about all things business, all things venture, business creation, venture creation, and a little bit of life. You know, there's a lot of similarities in in life as it relates to, you know, your business. And for the most part, if you are an entrepreneur and you're creating a business, uh, your business is your life. And a company needs to be created in order for it to become a reality. Uh, You need to have a vision for what that idea is. And you have to then mobilize people around you to realize that vision. You know, we, you know, say, see it, believe it, do it, you know, as sort of our mantra. And when we say that again, it's like, see it is like, you got to have a vision. You know, if you, if you want to create a business, if you want to create a successful venture, you, you have to be able to see into the future. You know, you you have to be able to put a vision to an idea and understand the pathway to realize that vision and bring that vision to life. And, and, and it, and it requires hiring a lot of different people, a lot of different resources along the way for that for that vision to be realized. And and I think, you know, there's this sort of known thing in the world of business and success is, you know, you're you had the idea and then you hired a, people that were a lot smarter than you to bring that idea alive, right? And and there's a lot of truth to that, right? Because, you know, you can only be really so good at so many things. So being an expert in all the things that you would need to to create a successful business, of course, is, is, is impossible. And, 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 and the reality of it is, is a lot of the things that you would need to be an expert in, you probably just don't like, uh, there's a lot of things that I don't like, uh, inside the world of creating a business. However, I do have general knowledge in all aspects of, of business. And what that general knowledge allows me to do is to at least create the directive in that vision and hire the right person to help realize that vision. And when I was younger and I was trying to build the concept of this company that builds companies, you know, which I hadn't even haven't I didn't even fully understand at the time you know, because I, I hadn't spent the time to really uh, dissect what it was I really wanted to create, learn all of the parts of it I had to design and create in order for it to, to work and realize the vision I had. I kept hiring really smart people that I thought could create the vision for me. You know, it, there is a clear distinction of hiring, hiring someone really smart and getting out of their way, as they would say. And hiring someone and getting out of their way and not giving them the path to where they need to be going to 
and laying the vision for where they need to go. When you hire them and say, I don't know where you need to go, but tell me where I need to go. You're going to be in trouble. It's just really hard for people to do your thinking for you, to be able to evolve your idea and make it more real and codify the concept in a direction without you leading that, you know, and it always happens. You know, when I was younger, I would hire like a finance person to come in and just like figure out how all this finance stuff should work. And they would just build it to the best of their knowledge and their experience. And it would just be completely different from the vision that I had for it or what I thought it should be in order to be what I expected it, mismanaging how I expected it to be. And over time, I realized like they just ultimately don't have the ability or the knowledge of, of that I expected to be able to create what I had in my mind, you know? And the problem was I didn't have enough clarity on that vision to articulate it in a way to hire the right person that could realize that vision. And um, I just think a lot of people when building a business get caught in this scenario and, and a different aspects of the business. You know, I, I think people with less experience, you know, or more product people will hire somebody in marketing, hoping that they can now, you know, realize the, the, the voice and the position uh, of the brand when it hasn't been fully built out in a way that's now just a tool for this great marketer to then take these ideas and, and bring them alive. You know, I, I, I think so often, you know, we'll, we'll put people in positions without enough clarity on what's expected from that position and get into trouble, you know, cause you're, whenever you're hiring somebody to figure out what you're doing for you, it's problematic because they're going to keep trying all these different things because they work for you and wanting to, to make things work and, and be successful at their job. But at the end of the day, it relies on your vision, your leadership to guide them, you know, and it's just really important that, that you as the leader, you as the visionary, you with the idea, you as the person that wants to bring this idea to life, you have to get better at being a visionary. You've got to continue to learn more. You've got to look at, at these different aspects of your business and decide what you uh, really want them to achieve. And then as you hire, you now have to, you know, almost look at, at these hires as like, what can I learn from them that's going to add to the whole to realize this entire vision? And And look, a vision isn't like, isn't so black and white either. Like, oh, like, you know, I just have this, you know, vision for the iPhone and I'm going to make reinvent the phones altogether and be Steve Jobs. You know, it's being a, a visionary is just honing your ability to be able to see in detail what the future can look like and then getting better and better at organizing, mobilizing the right people, right resources in order for that to be realized. And, and it's just like anything else, like as someone that is, has built a company or, or is, is driving or leading a company, you get better and better at it over time. And, and the truth is like, you know, you really want to make sure that you as the visionary, 
is getting clearer and clearer on how that vision is going to be realized over time and making sure that you continue to put the right people in the right places for that vision to become a reality. So listen to me. If you're out there and you are the visionary, be the visionary. Hire those that will support that vision uh, rather than hoping you're going to hire somebody that can help you create that vision. Think about that. Okay, look, today uh, we got a handful of visionaries on the show, as we always do. Just some young entrepreneurs, really, uh, with some great ideas that are, in my opinion, have a little bit of things to think about, just slightly shifts in their narrative or their point of view of where they're at today, which I, I, I love to do the most. I hope um, that I'm able to kind of uh, look back and see ideas for different entrepreneurs and give them the breakthroughs that they need to ultimately move them closer or clearly in a direction that potentially is going to lead to success. Because at the end of the day, business, venture, creation is only fun when it works. So I'm trying to help people make it work. All right, let's get into it. What's up, bro? What's up, Dear Deck Machine? My name is Christy Mason. I am 28 years old and I am from Cincinnati, Ohio. All right, let's talk about the table topper. What, what can we do to keep these in front of the little ones? So moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and anybody that's caring for kids in that age range, little babies in that age range, um, just have an easy way to keep little ones entertained and not have to worry about cleaning toys, picking them up off the ground and can have conversation or get stuff done around the house. And so in comes the table toppers and we eventually had a very rough prototype made by somebody in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and when I say rough, I mean rough and for more reasons than one. And so I just am super excited about the table topper and I'm ready to put, you know, all of my passion and fire and, you know, ambition into this project to see it out to the finish line and would love for you guys to have a part in it. Christy Mason, welcome to Build with Rob. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Rob? Oh, you know, I'm just doing what I love to do. I just love to talk to people about their business ideas. I just really, really, really enjoy it. And I would love to hear about your concept. I got some thoughts, but I, I would love uh, just to hear your quick pitch of sort of your vision for what you've created and the opportunity. Yeah. Okay. So I guess in the submission video, you got to see a little bit of that. But yeah, the whole idea came to me at a at a restaurant here in Ohio. Um, I know you're from Ohio, so I wanted to shout out to Ohio, you know? Oh, look, we're just a couple Ohioans just trying to make our way in the world. Ohio you know? against look, the I made world. It, look, I made it all the way out to California. I was just telling someone before, hey, it doesn't matter that I live in this bougie world of Beverly Hills. I'm still just a kid from Dayton. You know what I mean? From Dayton. Ohio against the world. So yeah, uh, we were my husband and I were sitting down at a restaurant. We had our two little ones. Um, we were hanging out and we just uh, were having a tough time holding any conversation because they wanted to be throwing toys on the ground and we were getting distracted. And we we're like, yeah, we just were we're thinking to ourselves, there's got to be a um, you know a way at restaurants out and you know spaces where. Parents need to have something in front of their kids when they're that young to keep them kind of busy. Um, so yeah, the table topper was kind of spawned from this idea of what 
could attach to something like a table or even like a shopping cart or anything like that that has like a clamp and an arm that you can connect toys to so the toys aren't falling on the ground and um, you're not worried about germs and stuff like that on the ground or having to clean toys. Um, But yeah, that just keeps them busy and entertained so you can get done what you need to get done, um, whether that's like out of the house or even at home with a little high chair pulled up to the table and they just have their that the table clapper in front of them with toys connected to it. Or like I said, it just kind of um, self-serves as a, a teether too, which for most of the first year is like a necessity. They teethe a lot in the first year. So like I said, our son used it primarily as a teether, but um, having those toys to clip on to just as something different was great. And um, like I said, in terms of like the white space in the market, I don't see anything else out there that's doing that. There's not something that's really kind of taking those car seat stroller toys and giving them like a second purpose, which is kind of what the table topper is doing, which I think is neat. So I just am interested to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, obviously, I've been in the deep, deep waters of having young children. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and specifically when I think about, you know, how handsy and impossible they are to manage at a restaurant. Yeah. I remember this, like, you know, we were driving like super far away to go to a friend's house and we stopped at a restaurant and this little fella put a whole like like an entire like Pepsi all over my entire lap. It didn't go like anywhere <laughs> but my whole body. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just like I tried to explain to like one of my friends, you know, he was pretty young, probably a year and a half and yeah. maybe a little bit younger. And I was like, this is the deepest waters I've ever been in as a parent, you know. I see the vision for it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and sort of the idea of, of its potential, you know, but when, yeah. you know, when I, when I see the concept and it's related to toys, like, man, yeah. I, then I start thinking to myself, like, God, it's like, man, could you, could you make it in a way that it could have uh, utensils? So when they start using forks for the first time and using, using different, so could it be, have cups to it? Could plates yeah. be attached to it? Basically anything yeah. that's, that you don't want to hit to hit the ground, yeah. like it, could it expand into that, you know? And I think, right. uh, you know, another, another thing that you were kind of talking about was like the travel version, right? And like a smaller one that you could just pack and go. And then, then to me, it's like, ah, man, it's like, that should be the main version. It's almost like how, yeah, it's like how you end up developing that actual clamp and then Mm -hmm. what the, like the potential use of that arm is basically where I think you will live and die on having something that everybody buys versus something that, that doesn't can be a total flop. Yeah, or or it becomes too hard to navigate, right? And, and I and I think as you're building your prototypes and evolving the idea that you just be in this like, you know, like this hardcore feedback loop. Like to me it would be like re- specific retailers, smaller retailers that focus on on baby toys and and infant and toddler products so that you can get an understanding from them cuz ultimately you you want wherever uh, those toys sit, you want it to sit next to there on the shelf and be like, when you buy this, you, well, you should have this because you could do all of this with it. Um, but I do think it is is parents and retailers giving you feedback on that design. And until they all are like, oh, this is perfect. Oh, this works amazing. Yeah. And, and then it's like, 
literally every single use case that you could think of where you just don't want that thing to hit the ground and then and then design it around that and then that ends up being basically your content right like you then show like does this ever happen to you get to show like what it's like when that toy hits the ground then you get to show when it doesn't when right <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like if it just gets stopped even though that probably was unpreventable you know what i mean but right but i but i i think like like when you think about like when when it's going to be like something that you want to share or now invest in creating and taking it to market, right? Because it's the, you want to make sure that you've answered all of the questions for basically the mom. Right. And for you, you will be like, oh, this is perfect. This would have been perfect for my case scenario. And everything is perfect to you as the designer and creator you, because you, it's yours. You know what I mean? Right. Just like your children are perfect, you know? And, and that's like getting that feedback from the actual person that's going to be the person you target, I think is, is just, just super important. And I just think you got to think about how to build it extremely flexible uh, from a use case scenario and then hunt something that's unique about it, right? You know, that, that you can kind of hang on to that sort of some sort of aspect that is, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, I, I really like the idea of the, the silicone injection being, you know, uh, I, I think you called it some sort of extra clean silicone, something that was like, yeah, it just being toxic, you know, you want to make sure that when your kid's putting his mouth on something, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. You know, clean and yeah, so toxin free, like what you use in a kitchen to cook stuff with. Yeah, like all all that stuff, I think matters into that storytelling. Yeah, but you know, here's the reality of this as a business opportunity. Like, I like it if if you uh, if you approach it in a super simplistic way, right? Of like, hey, I know I can get this manufactured. I know this is what it's going to cost. That And then you go and find a retailer that wants to support you versus spending all the money to build the company, the brand, and then try to sell it direct to consumer, try to sell it on Amazon. You know, these worlds that are just so extraordinarily competitive to acquire customers, right? And investing in going and building out more of a company rather than how do I find a a single retailer to believe in this and and begin to build a sustainable uh business from that which just would be something uh that I'd consider or you know really focusing on on media that is highly mom focused in order to acquire that customer because when you think about launching the business how do you how do you look at how you would like to launch it I don't know I think it would be awesome once we get the product finalized to launch it, you know, the an ideal scenario, maybe somebody like some kind of an influencer, yeah. that mom influencer on social media, um, being able to share it or, um, I don't know, something of that nature where it really gets put out there. I just think social media is super powerful these days. So, and there's a lot of mom influencers out yeah. there. I think I would also bring them into the fold on the feedback loop. If you could get some mom influencers to buy into the product concept, buy into you, and now they're, and even come on as potentially a partner, if that was your ecosystem, now 
uh, you're not paying them to post it or you're there like doing it because they're partners in it. I think that could be a great opportunity, you know, and hit me with some questions. I know you, I know you had a pretty interesting question about product. I do. Well, my first one, which actually is good because we talked about this a little bit earlier and you saw my very rough prototype. Um, I just am trying to figure out, I really am in the mindset of wanting to perfect the prototype. And I think that's important, but I just am wondering from your point of view, maybe like what, uh, the importance and the value is in perfecting a prototype. Cause I think for some, everybody's different, but for what I'm doing, I think, like you said, it's important, the clam and the gooseneck, I want to make sure it's perfect. And I, but I don't want to spend so much time and money on a prototype that, you know, that I'm hung up on that, just that thing. Yeah. And look, I, a, a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on, on something like this. You know, um, a lot of people are like, get to market. You can adjust your, your product, uh, over time. And it's a gut call. It's a gut call. And, and if it's not feeling right to you, if it doesn't feel like you as a mom, you as the person who had a vision for this, if it's not fulfilling that vision, it's not you being a perfectionist. It is you just not getting the product in the right place, you know, right. uh, because the, the truth is, even though it may take a little bit more time and money to get it in the right place that you believe in, that you can back the way that you envisioned, that's going to mm-hmm. translate to sales, you know, and, and people connecting with it and using it. So. I don't know enough about you. You could be like, I, this, this, this white is just not like zero one one seven one one white. If it has to be zero seven one one white, and then moms will like it. If you're crazy and like details that have nothing to do with anything, then yeah. you may want to just get it out there. But if it's really more its use and how it feels and it's representative of what you think a mom would want. I think you spend the time and energy to get it into that place. Okay. That's good. Okay. Yeah. And then my second question is just, I don't know if you can relate to this or what kind of like entrepreneur, I think they like categorize them by like visionary and integrator or whatever. I just, um, I tend to take on like the visionary style entrepreneur. So I'm very like big picture. And therefore, like breaking it down to details and next steps is just feels really hard for whatever reason for me to do. And so I just any advice on, you know, somebody that's a visionary like me and going at this kind of as a a one man band right now and trying to figure out like these next steps and all these processes just seems overwhelming. So any advice on that? Yeah. Hey, look, you know, when you are more as the great Ray Dalio would say, a shaper, um, you're better at seeing sort of the details of what need to be right in a product and then the macro, how it can become this big product in the future, right? And and I think like you need to be supported by a great um, tactical operator, you know, and, and, I, and I know you're at this stage of the business and how you develop it that you are, uh, the one man band, you know? And so I, I would consider seeking out someone that can be your partner that, that they just love the operational side and, and, and love the dates and gates and just are obsessed with organization to keep your vision in line and in check. 
I just think it's essential. You know, when I, when I look at business, you know, I look at it, um, you know, multidimensionally, right. Where you're, you're a brand mind, you're a product mind, you're a media mind, you're a sales mind, you're a marketing mind, an operating mind or a finance mind, right. And you really, as an entrepreneur have to learn them all. But when you're primarily product vision, marketing, media, and you don't have a desire nor experience for the finance and operating side, it's just so essential that you get balanced out by somebody that can help that because it will come back to bite you even if it works, right? Because yeah. like with success comes more dates, more gates, more supply chain issues, more things to like that you already don't like. They're just right. bigger and harder and faster if yeah. the business does work. So, you know, I would implore you to to seek out the 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 yin to your yang as it relates to creative and visionary and finding somebody that can support you that that can do a lot of that 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 more detailed technical planning that that is just cumbersome for you cuz you know yeah. uh, I want you to eventually learn it but in the beginning it's it's why you know having partners that balance you out really well is essential. Have you ever looked into getting a partner or finding somebody that could help you with this? No. And I don't even know where I would like, I don't know where I would go to look for somebody that could. Yeah. Like I don't, somebody qualified and obviously knows their stuff. You know, when I'm thinking about what's happening down there in Cincinnati and how to find a great operator out there, in my mind, there are like business clubs or entrepreneurial clubs that exist everywhere that potentially could be sort of a place that gives you sort of the line to it. I think um, in Ohio, it was always like the you know, like a friend of a friend of a friend's aunt, you know what I mean? Like, you know, which is, you know, it, which is worth it and potential, you know, like usually like, at like least, yeah, at least see if it, if it pans out. Yeah. But, but in, in, you got to know that you want to make that search happen and begin yeah. to put it out in the universe for it to ever uh, come back to you. You know what I mean? And and I think you should you should just consider taking that path and looking at it because I think that'd be super helpful for you. You know what I mean? Okay. Finding somebody else to bring on board to be the executioner for me. Yeah, you need it. You need it. It'll make your life so much easier. Then you can do what you do. You, you'll gain all that energy back by, by being able to put it into the product and market it and all and making the connections and sharing it with retail. Doing what you love to do the most will be, be more beneficial to you than trying to do it all, you know? Yeah, totally. Okay. Well, look, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you taking the time and effort to send us a video and, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate your time okay. too. All right. Take care. Hey guys, it's Danny Darnell checking in with you today from Honolulu, Hawaii. It's my last day of vacation. And I wanted to pitch this idea to you guys before I got back to the mainland. I'm excited about it. I have an idea pertaining to the commercial drone industry, an industry that's expected to be worth $500 billion by the year 2028. We're almost there. I'm going to show you how with this idea, we're going to change the way that people market their businesses. We're going to create a marketplace for people to do business. And we're going to get a slice of that 500 billion. The idea that I have is to create a drone marketing services platform. 
where we would connect FAA certified drone pilots to the public. One platform, one marketplace for all of your drone marketing needs. Drone pilots for hire across the United States in every city with the potential to go global. I'm willing to put the work in to launch this thing. I truly believe in it. I just hope I get the opportunity to talk to you guys. I appreciate you guys hearing my pitch video and I'd love to talk to you guys more about it. I hope this video finds you guys well and I'll talk to you soon. Danny Darnell, welcome to Build with Rob. How are you, my friend? Oh man, I'm better now, buddy. Better now. Look at us, man. We're talking business. We're talking business now. You talking about the drone game, man. Drone marketing service platform. Let's be real here. Like, when somebody says, look, it's going to be a $500 billion industry. A big number. I just don't even believe it. Right. Then I think right, to myself, right. I'm thinking to myself, did Double D just hit me with some made up number? <laughs> did Danny Darnell just hit me with some made up number? And it's a testament to like where the opportunity of a business may lie and the scale of a market and how you pitch it to somebody. Is 500 billion a real number? I think globally, once you include the public sector and the government sector, of course, the United States military has a drone, the X-47B. It's a $400 billion drone. So I think that's what they were talking about with market projections. They're including military spending as well. So that's what would take the number to close to that. Goldman Sachs estimates that right now, worldwide, we have a $100 billion drone industry, but the projections are up. Whether or not it's going to go to $500 billion, I mean, I can only read the articles and believe some of what they're saying, right? I mean, you have to have faith that the trajectory is a positive trajectory. So let me tell you something right now. I did all that exact same research and I'm like, I'm like, wow, it is uh, 500 billion. Oh, wow. Goldman Sachs is saying it's like a hundred with like a 50% CAGR. Like I'm like, man, like it really is an exploding market. Right. So uh, like it, when numbers are unbelievable, you know, you force, you force a guy to go into Google and really see what it is. And I, and I think it is the truth, you know? And so look, so, so I, when I think about, you know, just, just quickly, you know, for, for the listeners, like give just a, 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 a quick overview of sort of your vision of what would make this particular platform different and, and is a great opportunity. Well, here's the thing. I, I think that with this drone marketing platform, I think you do four things with it, Rob. Number one, and probably the most important thing is you create a marketplace for people to do business. Because with our smartphones, you're going to be able to hire a professional FAA certified drone pilot from your phone anywhere in the country, the same way that you would hire a vehicle to come pick you up and take you to a sporting event or a bar on a Friday night. It would be streamlined that easily. Number two, the problem that is happening right now is that if you're not a certified drone pilot with your license to the FAA, they will find the hell out of you if they find out that you're trying to fly your own drone and monetize from it. Perfect example, there was a guy in Philadelphia, it was over the summer, he was fined $182,000 by the FAA. He was flying his drone over people, he was flying it at night, didn't have his license, so guess what? It's federal, they control the skies, and here's your fine. Uh, number three, the, what we do is we're going to be fulfilling a need across several different industries. If you take a look at the industries that are using drones right now, 
agriculture. We touched on real estate, uh, construction, infrastructure inspections. We've got the oil and gas companies. Um, they're being experimented with in the package delivery game. I know Amazon was trying to experiment with it. I still think there's some kinks that need to be worked out with that. It's still not a perfect system. And you also have, as sad as it is when I turn the news on and someone goes missing, we have drones that are being used in search and rescue. They're equipped with thermal imaging technology to help someone find, you know, who's ever missing. Uh, there's, and you know, there's so many different opportunities there just to grow. And so I, I just feel like if we can give people a platform just to find that professional to do professional work for them and they're certified for the FAA, you have a shot at a business there. So, so here's what I know about building platforms, right? They're okay. primarily built by um, coders and people with technology backgrounds that have a platform and design and and that aspect of creating apps and all the stuff that goes into that sort of aspect versus like you're leading with being an FAA certified uh, drone operator. So it's like the the chasm between like like you as a professional, right? And you as someone that that can navigate the complexities of of building a platform and then manning, managing the technical side and the capital needed to do customer acquisition and get people to put themselves on that platform. I'm, I'm curious as to how you fill that gap in your mind. So obviously, um, it would be a big project. Um, you know, Rob, I don't have that technical background, okay? Um, but from the research that I've done, if you're looking at this kind of app, you're looking at a six to 10 week build out you're probably looking at somewhere to spend seventy to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Obviously, you would need a team on this thing to get it launched, and it, it would be a big venture. I, I understand that, um, but yeah, obviously, I I would definitely need help with this. I mean, I couldn't just sit here and code an app by myself. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I, I think it truly does have potential. I just think we do so many things with our phones now, and it's advancing and. Drones are currently being looked at in more of a positive light. I mean, I think when they first came out, people were kind of, they were a little freaked out that they were, people are going to use them to spy on other people. But there's so many positive applicabilities for drones today. I think once you've got this app launched, I think it would succeed. Yeah. And look, I, I, think, I think there's a huge chasm um, between like should succeed once you get it launched versus like what it would take to launch it. You know what I mean? Sure. And, and especially yeah. given like your experience too. But, but, but when I think about like where you could create a lot of value for yourself very quickly, as opposed to going all the way to like, I'm going to make the Uber of drones, right? Like if you, if you almost like said, Hey, I'm going to create an agency for FAA certified operators, right? Like if you could, begin to, you know, build sort of your system of how to be a first in class operator and then focus on, you know, real estate and agriculture or real estate and construction, like these industries that you can get a footing in that you have relationships in. And then you basically build and train a fleet of FAA certified operators. Now you have 
essentially an agency. And so if you're not only, you know, going on jobs and getting, you know, 80% yourself when you go and do that, but then getting 20% of what your, your team does as well, and eventually scaling that in each city and each area around you, it's this much more crawl before you walk without diving into the technical side, which you already have deep experience in, right? You already know how you've already been certified. You already know what you'll do to get paid as an operator. Like you could potentially scale that as a business that would be easy. You would understand it fully. And there's a quicker path to you creating a sustainable income from it. I agree. I completely agree. I've always thought that having the blessing from the FAA to know that, hey, these guys are professionals. They've gone through the training. You know, they have their pilot license that we recommend them for your business. Because if I'm a business owner and I want to hire someone to do drone marketing for me, I wouldn't hire you if you weren't a professional. I wouldn't just hire someone off the street to go, oh, you just bought a $400 drone? Come drone my business for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And look, I, I, to me, that is the opportunity, right? Like you, you understand what it means to to get the certification. You can guide people through it. You can build a fleet that then has like sort of economics connected to each one. And then you could even build the model where like, hey, I will invest in your equipment and your training and I get half of everything you do. If you pay that. for your own training and your own drone, then I get 15%. I think you're you're chasing the right oppor- right industry at the right time. It's okay. a matter of making the right business with the right model that you're capable of executing rather right. than rather than in getting lost in an idea that's too big and too hard uh, for you to execute because you just don't have the experience in the space when you've already you're fir- you're your first like operator and sure. and first person in in your company. Now it's a matter of like starting to get work, build relationships and start adding operators to your fleet and 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 with a goal of like hey, I want to get to 100 and do, you know, 100,000 in bookings in a month and net uh, 50,000 to myself. And here I am now I'm making 500 grand a year, living the dream, hitting Hawaii for the Spartan races, heading down <laughs> to Florida, doing the tough man, you know, wherever you're headed to be able to enjoy life. I, I do think that that's the, the opportunity for you in here. You got okay. one more question for me. What do you got for me? Hey Rob, you know, I'm trying to do the clothing line thing too. I'm trying to find balance between doing the drone thing and doing the clothing line thing. I know you have a lot of irons in the fire. I mean, how do you find that balance, you know, where you're you're focusing on something just enough where you're not your creativity is not suffering? Yeah, look, and I think they're like without support and and a team around you. I'm able to do so much right. uh, because I look at life in this this very simple way of like, I want to live balanced by design. So I got really good at living balanced. Then as I began to do more and more in a balanced state, I began to reach my capacity. 
Then I had uh, my only choice was to either automate something so it becomes more effortless or I had to hire somebody to do it, right? And so over time, I really look at everything of like, how can I drive it to automation or hire so that I can continue to do more and more and more? So when you're a one-man show and you're trying to like build two different companies at once, you know, it, it, it's it's very difficult because it's that old that old uh, saying if, you know, the man that chases two rapid rabbits catches neither. You know what I mean? So, I, you know, I think, you know, it's okay to dabble, but you should you should see the path forward to the 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 opportunity uh, to to create the revenue that you need to live the lifestyle that you want to lead and spend the time like um, and and what you enjoy doing the most. You know, I, I think that's that's what you got to chase. But it's okay to be planning and dabbling in a bunch of things at once until one is clear. Like, okay, if I put all my energy here, this is where it's going to work. So, so I think you don't be afraid to keep dabbling. And, and, and when you lock in on the right idea that has the clear path to sustainability, profitability, and you understand it and now believe you can do it, chase that one. You know what I mean? I'll do it. Yeah. I just, you know, I just think you have to challenge yourself, whether whether it's in business or whether I'm out pushing myself at, at an endurance race, you know, anything to get better, I'm all for it. And uh, I realize there's going to be trials and tribulations, but you just have to keep fighting. It's the truth, man. It's the truth. You, you, you evolve and grow over time. You just want to make sure that you're a grow, evolving and growing into the ideal version of your life. And you spend the time to figure out all of those parts so that it, through the struggle, you know that you're headed somewhere clear rather than having to start over, you know, over and over again. You know what I mean? You eventually got to break that cycle, you know? Yeah. Okay. Listen to me. It was a pleasure, man. I really enjoyed it. I wish you the best. I I, I hope you do take that opportunity because I really think you could, you could, you could scale that. All the best, man. Stay tough, man. All right, Rob. Stay Thank fit. you, sir. Fight the endurance. Fight the endurance. I will. <laughs> All right. Take care. My name is Jeremy Hawkins. I'm originally from Binghamton, New York. Now I live in Ithaca, New York, and I am the director of programs for the Tompkins County Youth Advocate Program. I came up with the rescuing signaling kit in 2005 after Hurricane Katrina. Let's say all the electricity ran off, all your cell phones didn't work, there was a natural disaster. What would you do after a natural disaster if you needed help? The rescue signaling kit. The Rescue Signaling Kit is designed to alert rescue signal and first responders of your whereabouts after a natural disaster, alerting them of your whereabouts and where you're at. In our Rescue Signaling Kit, we have an array of items specifically designed to signal and alert rescue signal and first responders. I've been thinking of ideas and entrepreneur, entrepreneur mindset ever since I was about, you know, six or seven years old, like I said. Just thinking of different ideas, different products, creating them out of household um, items, never being able to move them forward though, because I never had the support or financial means. That's why I'm in partner with me to move a great idea forward. The Rescue Signaling Kit. Jeremy Hawkins, welcome to Build with Rob. What's going on with you, Robbie? How you doing, man, buddy? Man, real good. How you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm doing better than most, man. For real, I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Hey, I'm I'm, I'm glad to have you here. You know, I I can tell from just watching you 
talk about your product and your questions of just how much time and effort and and how much this means to you to push this thing and make this thing work, you know. So so I'd, I'd love to just you know first kind of hear the story. Uh, just quickly about the the overall product and and ultimately what drove you to make it in the first place. Okay. Product is branded Rescue Signaling Kit. The first thing it's designed to do is signal and alert first responders. Okay. So what happened after Hurricane Katrina in 2005, I see a lot of people on roofs, you know, they're on cars, they're trying to signal from help for whatever they can get their hands on, you know, sheets or whatever it may be, writing stuff, all the power went out, you know, so these people needed to be rescued, okay? They're, they're going to survive. That, that's not the problem. This kit is specifically designed to signal and alert first responders. So basically what I did was, my degrees in, my degrees in audio production, okay? Mm-hmm. So what I did was I started to research a lot of different products just focused on signaling and alerting first responders, Okay. So as I'm doing this, my boy hits me up. He's in St. Thomas. You know, a hurricane or a natural disaster happened over there. He said, Jay, I really needed your product because in St. Thomas during the day, they could see us in the mountains. When the natural disaster hit, all the electricity went off. We were like pitch black on the side of the mountain. You know, if I had your kit, you know, I, I can see them in, in the fire with the flashlights looking for people, but we only could yell so much. So what I started to do is put together an array of different audibles and visuals specifically designed to signal and alert first responders. And, and, look, and, and how many how many products did you are in the actual kit at this point? There, there's, there's, it, it varies um, from from nine to about twelve, Rob. Okay. And, 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 and I'm always thinking about something how I can expand this product because um, what I wanted to do was you know keep it real simple, you know no no tools needed. You know there's a lot of different things that can signal and alert first responders from you know your basic flashlights to your you know three foot banner back there. We have beacon lights that can be seen over a mile away. Um, high-end audible whistles that, you know, when you blow them, they can be heard over a mile away. We wanted to, you know, make something for the consumer. And then we also started to think about, you know, how else could it be used? I sold a lot of these. um, I live in Ithaca, New York, upstate New York by Cornell, a lot of water on Cayuga Lake. I sold a lot of these to different boaters. Um, So it started to, you know, make me kind of think who else could possibly use this type of product um, in case they were in distress or in need of help. You know, boating in your car, if you're hiking, you know, college uh, campuses, you know, and I, and I was telling the wife earlier today, God forbid, and think about this most recent, God forbid there was a natural disaster, something happened, Facebook, Instagram went down, electric went down, I need help, I'm sitting in my dorm, I'm hanging my flag out the window, I'm turning on my beacon light, I'm blowing my whistles, we have, you know, um, what are they called? You know, the glow sticks that glow in the dark for 12 hours, just anything possible to cause ruckus. Hey, and what what's the price of the kit full all built out? You know, all built out right now, I'm trying to keep it. It's, it's about $19. It's the cost of me yeah. to me. Yeah. So what I'm doing, though, is I'm using third party products, if you will. Most recent, we started to, you know, contact different uh, manufacturers to try to get this kit all inclusive. So everything in that kit says rescue signaling kit. 
And in doing my research, I can get this kit down to about $15. But you know, it is going to take, you know, a couple of dollars, some help, some networking. Yeah. And look, you know, when I, I'm, one thing I was kind of struck by was this idea of needing to say, Hey, this is not a survival kit, right? This is a signaling kit. This is for like, this is not for survival. This is so that you can be rescued. Right. And so, you know, cause, cause when I, when I see your passion, hear you like laying out all of the different ways to signal, you know, I start to, to think to myself, well, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a pretty substantial amount of like different ways to signal when, when there's probably a more simplified version that accomplishes everything in one. And, and, and I, and I, and this is just where my head goes when I think about mm-hmm. seeing kind of like the, how difficult it is to source all those things, how to get them into the, into the actual container, sourcing the container itself, then, then trying to like tell the story of all the different sort of things like versus like one hero, like beacon light that makes us like the same sound that like, Hey, just gives like a signal out for a mile that comes wrapped in a giant help sign. That that's, that's kind of like when I, where I think about where the, how much challenge I could see you going through of getting every, all the stuff in the kit. And, and I would, I would implore that you think, think about this, right. Is like, Somebody who's going to buy a rescue signaling kit is already somebody that's uh, extra prepared for every scenario, right? And so when I think about that consumer, I think about that consumer being the person who buys a survival kit. And so when I think about your clearest path to like building a business and like, getting uh, retailers to connect with you and how to find consumers. It's, it's creating a product that when someone buys a survival kit in the store, they also buy the signaling kit because, Hey, you want to be prepared that you can, you're going to have rations and be able to start a fire. Well, you better want to, you're going to want to make sure that somebody can find you too. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, so I, I only, I only say that like, because I like to, when I think about who's pitching an idea and then I think about how they're constructing the the product and the business itself, like, like I always try to like find like a sharp connection to like the easiest way to get it sold. Right. And, you know, and I think that, that like the differentiation of this is about like making sure you can be found matters. Right. I think that is, is, but it gets lost in being like this giant kid of all these different options of that. And then, then being like, Hey, this isn't a survival. It's a signaling and versus like trying to say, Hey, we're different. Say we, if you can say we're an add on, this is actually like something that if you like buy to like, when you're a retailer, put this right next to it. You get a survival kit, get that. And then if you could go and get a retailer to buy into that, 
then bam, you just, now you're off. Now you can say, Hey, here's my first order to like investors and partners. Like I'm like, we're perfect match to survival kits. We're going to sit next to them in retail. Like I got a first order from, you know, REI that's going to sit next to their survival kits. Like, and I just need help getting the first round of built for that. I'll give you 10% of the company for 50 grand, you know, whatever it ends up becoming. But I think if you can hunt, like a nice clean story like that and then simplify even for you so that you can you can just make one or two of the most powerful things that are going to get you found which i think is probably a light with sound you know i'm just guessing on that but but making your package now much smaller and it's more about that that beacon and that sign than it is the entire kit and it comes with a little hook that just straps right onto the survival kit you know what i mean like right. and you just lock it in and now you're going to be able to not only uh survive for a couple of days but then guess what uh jeremy's going to make sure they find you you got to make Absolutely. an SOS signal out of your sheets. <laughs> Jeremy's got a light for you. You had another really interesting um, concept to your your second question, man. I'd, I'd love to I'd love to 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 hear your your second question because I think it's pretty telling to to sort of your what you're kind of going through and, and and kind of the hardships of what it means to try to to make an idea come alive. Yeah, what, one of the things is you know. Having a network, when you're trying to do this by yourself from the ground up, you know, taking all your spare resources in, you know, pushing it in a, in a direction um, when you're not selling, it really gets hard. Yeah. And, you know, even having, a, you know, coming from, what, what, you know, where I'm from, I don't have a network of friends, you know, that can write the check, that's willing to write a check. Everyone's skeptical. So, so the biggest thing is like, how do you continue to move forward when you don't have that support? Yeah. So, you know, I, I have a passion about doing it. That's one of the things that's helping me because I realize it is a great idea. I definitely listen to what you say and, you know, I take heed to it and, you know, I continue to get better with it. Yeah. So, you know, even having these conversations with you, you know, reaching out on the Internet, I continue, you know, to build my knowledge and continue to build my motivation. But that is one of the hardest things in being able to do this without a network, financial uh, support. And things of that nature. And look, and I'm, I'm, I know it feels like that, right? I know it feels like it's, man, like nobody's believing in this. Nobody's supporting me. I don't even know the people. I've talked to everybody that I know that could possibly help me and nobody's in with me, right? And, and, you know, I, I you know, and, and one of the, the parts of your question was like, like does, can giving up on an idea bring you happiness, you know, and, and the truth is, is, is you better believe it can you, oh, you better believe it can. You want to know why? Because like wow. when you finally, like you have pushed it to the edge, right? Because when do people give up? You only give up when you, when you no longer believe in the idea. And is there an extraordinary amount of, of peace and happiness and energy that you get back because all the pain that goes into like, I know this should work and you keep trying and trying and trying and it doesn't work and it doesn't work. Like that's a, it's extraordinarily difficult to endure for a long period of time. 
And so if, and then you, then there's days where you're like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. And then you just get a little bit of a spark and you're back in it. So it, yes, there's, there's joy and release of something that has been such a, you know, a portion of hopefulness and a portion of dread for a, an extended amount of time. But I, I say this to making that decision. Like it is really all about trying as many different things as possible um, and, and reshaping that idea into an idea that someone finally says yes to, because I don't think it's about network and reach. I know by the type of person you are, you're getting in front of everybody. It's the position of the idea is just off to where people can't buy into it right now. You know, and that's why I think if you simplify it, say we're selling this to everyone that's bought a survival kit, there's been 2.6 million survival kits sold this year. We want to capture, you know, 10% of the people that bought bought survival kits. That would make us a, uh, you know, a two and a half million dollar business, right? Like when you can, when you can just see this clear path, because I love to say money loves clarity, you know what I mean? And when you can tell a concise story where you understand the consumer, you understand who you're going to sell it to, how you're going to sell it to, what you're going to charge them, where you're going to sell it and how much you're going to make. Boy, people love to to put up money for that. Your network gets real wide when you can make okay. it that clear. You know what I mean? So look, I you know, I I I I hope you hear that. And, and I think like, you know, like I, I know you put a lot of effort and energy in and felt like you hit a million walls. And it's it's not to say um that that's still not, you know, um, you know, part of the process and and what you what's what's meant to happen for you. But I do think if you sharpen this idea up, simplify it and do what we talked about today, that somebody's gonna give you a chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it'll make sense to them. Hey, look, Jeremy, it was a pleasure, man. I really, I really hope you take heed and 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 make that happen. Cause I, I think that can really send you in the right direction, get that energy back and get somebody behind you to to make sure that they don't got to use towels for SOS, that they got that resco signal and somebody come get them. Trying to signal some help with a napkin and stuff. I'm like, yo, it doesn't work. You Not know what I mean? Happen. Nobody's coming. Hey, man, I definitely appreciate your time, though, Rob. I definitely heard what you said to me. You know, incorporate that into my equation. But uh, you'll see it soon. You'll see it soon. I look forward to it, man. I look forward right, to thank it. Thank you. All right, appreciate I'll see it. you soon. All the best. All right, buddy. All right, there you have it. Man, I just love it. Love it. Love talking to entrepreneurs. Love just talking about ideas. It's so fun for me just to get immersed in their worlds, you know, and I, I learn so much every single time. I really do. I just really, really learn so much and really, really enjoy it. Uh, again, wherever you listen to this podcast, make sure you subscribe. You know, you want to be a part of this journey that is uh, the Deer Deck Machine. Come be a machinist. Come be a machinist. Be a part of our feedback loop. Give us give us. Your your thoughts and ideas and, and feedback on our ideas. Be a part of this, you know? Uh, it's a lot of fun, and we love having you. Go to DeerDeckMachine.com. You got an idea for a company, throw a video up there. Send it to us. We'd love to see that, too. You know, and, and, and if you are someone that has great vision, who knows in their heart of hearts that they are the one and that they got the energy, the push, the drive, and everything that it takes, we want to partner with you because you are a do or die. See it, believe it, do it. Till next time.